And now, it's 10 a.m. Let's just get down to it. And it's time for your sports fix. Strap yourselves in, folks. From two guys who have covered the teams you're passionate about for years. We are professionals. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280. The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. What's up, Ben? How are you? Good, man. You brave the weather to get in this morning? I took it very easy. This is easy weather. This is good Salt Lake weather. I Happy know. Happy to see everyone driving 15. I'm okay going 25 on the freeway when I have to. If everyone else is going to go 15, I still feel comfortable getting uh, getting around. And I don't have all-wheel drive. I have two-wheel drive. I'm reckless out there. You are. Might as well I, be on a motorcycle. I got a, a new used vehicle a couple years ago, and that was my one criteria. Yep. Was I wanted all wheel drive because I, uh, I had front wheel drive forever, and I got tired of like sitting. In, in fact, Ben sitting here in the studio. We, uh, if you've never seen our studios, it's a, a Vivid Arena. We look out on the what east side of the building, southeast side, whatever. Beautiful windows. Ben, I've spent so many afternoons slash nights slash whatever looking out that window, watching the snowfall, thinking. <laughs> How am I going to get home? How am I home? getting home? Boy, this uh, treacherous white knuckle drive home is really going to be something. It's like, I got to get myself some all-wheel drive. Smart. It's easy to do. It's smart to do. But I was disappointed this morning that we didn't wake up with snow on the lawn like I promised my child. Ah. Uh, well, tomorrow. We I should know. be there tomorrow. It's, snow, the, it's supposed to snow all the rest the of the day. Yeah. But oh. she got to see the snow a little bit, right? Before she was off to whatever. Just a little bit. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she's excited. I am too. I woke up thrilled this morning, but then I realized I didn't have any snow clothes for the kids because I'm that dad. So we had to go buy well, some today before school. Th- this is something that uh, I- I've learned since becoming a father. Boy, children grow. They have, Boy, that that is racket. that is a real clothes thing. are a real racket. Yeah, that is a real thing. Listen, yeah. you're talking to somebody that has the same clothes they've worn since high school. Yep. Uh, you got to get clothes, new clothes every 10 minutes, Ben. I'd love to shame you and make you feel bad about not having snow snow clothes for your children, but I totally 100% get it. No, it's impossible. And I, yeah, you're right. I'm at the point now where I have I have my snow boots. It's the last pair I'm ever going to have to buy. I've got the I've got, I got one them. pair of huge duck boots that I will wear. My kids will see me when I'm 75 years right. old and slipping in the driveway and killing myself trying to shovel snow. Same boots that they're going to be like, "Yeah, I remember those when I was 9 and 6. I remember that." So, uh I'm done, which is nice. It's nice to get to that point in your life. But, uh, yeah, the kids, every every 18 or so minutes, you got to go get something new, it feels like. Every 18 or so minutes. <laughs> every couple of weeks, you need yeah. a new pair of boots. You know, the, the that kid-to-kid thing is is real. That's nice. Because children wear stuff twice. Correct. It's like, oh, it's gone. Oh, okay. All like right. you said, you were smart. You got the, uh, you got the uh, for skiing, for ski gear, you've got the little deal where you can constantly upgrade yeah. the little one. That's Man, that's a, that's a real deal. do a snow clothes. They should do that. Just, just in general. I agree. So what? You're going to stop by uh, stop by the store on my way I home? I stopped by the grocery store on the way home, the one up by your house that I've seen you at a couple yeah, of uh-huh. times, and they had, they were having a sale. So I just got some snow pants. I got to go get some boots after this. So. Yeah, you don't go to like Salty Peaks or something with kids. No. That's like no. That's something I've they already They don't need anything learned. designer. Yeah, they don't need any of that stuff. Just no. something that's going to keep, uh, going to work for about 10 minutes, and then they're going to grow out of it. And they'll tear them anyways. They're going to have big holes in them by the end of the year anyways. So yeah, don't spend a fortune. 
Yeah, Naz saw this like spider stuff the other day. Like, oh, it's like, well, yeah, it's rad. It's cool, but it's going to be over. All right, Ben, we got a lot to get to. We're going to talk uh, some Utah Jazz basketball, of course, coming off an impressive win over Minnesota. And they're back at it again, again tonight in Philadelphia. Tip off coming your way at 5 o'clock. Pre-game coverage will begin at 4. And anytime we get to watch uh, Rudy and uh, Joel Embiid go head-to-head, please sign me up. So we'll, we'll get into that. But we do need to talk about what happened last night. Yeah, impressive. Really impressive, and I thought that had the makings of a rough game. Yeah, the first half, the Jazz were up sixty to fifty nine. What were they up three? Were they up one after the first quarter? I think they were up one after the first quarter and one at the half. And you thought, ah, this just feels like the type of game the Jazz could lose. And I felt the same way about Cleveland on Sunday. It's kind of a weird midday game. Didn't really make much separation in the first half. And you thought, ah, this is the type of game where you're on the road, fourth quarter. Jazz have lost a couple of these games. You remember New Orleans. You remember Memphis. These are the types of ones that could very easily get away from the Jazz. And they just, I mean, they more than answered the bell in the third and fourth quarter. And the third quarter was most impressive because they did it without Rudy Gobert. Yeah, They had trouble. to go small, and, yep. uh, and they still found a way to, to beat. What's not a great Minnesota Timberwolves team, but they played pretty well this season. They've had some hot stretches. I know they've lost four in a row now after the Jazz beat them last night. But I, I thought that was going to be a tougher game for the Jazz. And they proved when they kick it into gear, when they're really clicking, they are basically unbeatable. So there's nothing, uh, there's there's not a perfect half of basketball, but what the Jazz played last night was was pretty close. Yeah, it's just so devastating. Yeah, and what what you do right is so well done that it you don't care that you had five turnovers in the fourth quarter, which is a lot. You know, that's twenty for a game if you average that out. They scored forty one points, but man, you who scored cares? 40, and you held them to twenty three. Yeah. Like not only were you great on the offensive end, you hold any team, and, and this is kind of what you know. Quinn Snyder doesn't come out and say it necessarily, and I'm sure he has a lower number than this that he wants. But it seems like he's pretty confident if he gets you under thirty points, if they can hold you under thirty points defensively, he's probably okay with that quarter. You know, that's kind of seems to be the goal, even though I know if you added that up, that'd be 120 points a game. That's still far too many. He seems pretty comfortable as long as the Jazz aren't giving up 31, 32, 40-point quarters like they did the other night. So I, I think you can see that. So when you give up 23 points in the fourth quarter, and I think they only gave up 44 points overall in the second half. 45. 45. I mean, just that's a dominant, dominant half of basketball on the road. In a tough situation against a team that had found a way to stick around to the first half without arguably your best player on the floor. And I cannot remember the exact count, but the Jazz were getting smashed on the boards in the first half, and then I don't think Minnesota got another rebound for the rest of the game. Which is, uh, I'm joking, of course, but I mean, the Jazz creamed them on the boards in the second half. They And Royce O'Neal, I think, talked a little bit about this in the post, post game, where they kind of made a a team decision that they were going to really rebound the ball. And that was that made a huge difference. I mean, every everything about the second half of basketball was exactly what the coaches want to see. I mean, defensively, offensively, rebounding, all of it. Outside of uh, Rudy picking up his fourth foul and having to sit out in the third quarter. And actually, I think that's a good thing. Because A, you've, we've talked about needing to find time for them to be able to figure out how to use this small ball lineup, which is Rudy Gay at the five, and then whoever you want at the four, Boyan Bogdanovich, or you can play Royce O'Neal or whatever. That's basically what your lineup's going to be. And you have to almost be forced into learning how to do it. It's just not something that, in a healthy game, when Rudy Gobert's out there at 100%, and Hassan Whiteside's out there at 100%, it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense 
to say, well, here's what we do. We're just going to try something randomly in a third quarter of a game. Like it, it throws your rhythm off. It's not good for the players around them. And it may have benefits down the line. But if you can't do it consistently, I don't know how much help it actually provides. But in a game like yesterday where Hassan Whiteside's not playing and Rudy Gobert picks up his fourth foul 90 seconds into the third quarter, you have to do it and you have to rely on it. And then you just leave them out to dry. I mean, you, they have to go out there and perform. And that means doing all the things you talked about. It's, it's Rudy Gay playing help side defense because he wasn't guarding Carl Anthony Towns. They put Royce O'Neal or Boyan Bogdanovich on him, and Rudy Gay had to come over and be the help side defender. And then that mean, means he also had to rebound. But that means because Gobert's not on the floor, everybody has to rebound. And that is one of those things we've, we've seen this. The best player on a team goes out, and that team still wins the game because everyone plays a little bit harder, everyone does their job a little bit better, or fills in a little bit uh, in places where they don't usually have to. I thought that's what the Jazz did last night, and I thought it was a very promising sign. And now for the last two games against Cleveland when Rudy Gay was really good, and then last night when the team was good without Rudy Gobert on the floor, you're starting to realize that this might actually be a tool and a weapon the Jazz can rely on. Joe Ingles, best game coming off the bench? Question mark? Probably. <laughs> he had 11, 7 assists, 4 rebounds, and he was perfect 4-4 from the field. Well, that was the best part. He was willing to shoot. I mean, that just continues to be Joe Ingles' thing. You know, when he wants to shoot the ball, he's going to be really good. If he doesn't shoot the ball, he's going to struggle. Only one turnover. He had the best plus-minus on the team at plus 32 because he was on the floor quite a bit in that second half when the Jazz did run away with it. And look, Minnesota's bench is really bad. I mean, I can look down the names, and they've got one real name in Malik Beasley that that people know about, and even he's got his issues, obviously. Uh, But Leandro Balmaro, God bless him. He tried to stay in front of Donovan Mitchell, but... uh, that wasn't going to happen for him. Jaden McDaniels is a player I liked coming out of college out of Washington. He's certainly fallen off a little bit. Can be a really good defensive player, but just simply can't score. Josh Okogie's kind of a nobody at this point in his career. Jordan McLaughlin, 10 minutes. You know, Naz Reed is fine, but only shot 2 of 11. I mean, their bench overall, just between uh, Jaden McDaniels and, and, and Naz Reed, who should kind of be their young stars coming off the bench, combined to shoot 4 of 21. <laughs> Maybe this is a uh, a skewed take because it's after a game where the Jazz beat them by 32 points, but I was unimpressed with uh, with Minnesota. Anthony Edwards, loved that guy. He was great in the first half, disappeared in the second. Carl Anthony Towns is pretty much what you'd expect. But the rest of the team, I don't know, Ben. If you're looking at uh, at uh, an old Patrick Beverly to win the games, I don't think that's going to work. I, I, You know, like with Cleveland, I came away extraordinarily impressed. Yep. With Minnesota, I don't know. They're we, missing a lot. I've got some post-game sound. We'll have to play it when we get a producer. I don't know where our producer went, but we'll, when we get him back. He's we'll, gone. We'll, don't, we'll, don't curse, Ben. We'll play some of it. Uh, we'll, we'll let you hear sound from, uh, from Patrick Beverly after the game, because he was very critical of the Jazz defense. And to be fair, Patrick Beverly had a really good first half. He had 14 points in the first half and uh, you know, was kind of keeping, keeping Minnesota attached in this game to the Jazz, who, who were shooting really well coming out of the gate. The game actually mirrored in the first half a lot of what happened in Cleveland, where no, neither team could miss in the first quarter. and the second team, it felt like nobody could make a basket. And then the Jazz found a way to pull away a little bit in the second half. Against Minnesota, the Jazz just absolutely blew them out of the water. And I, I think, Jake, we've seen now the Jazz win their three best games of the season. They've done it consecutively. I thought the Boston win was really good. They'd won 10 of 15 coming in, and I I know they haven't been great since then, but I thought that was a pretty impressive win and certainly much needed. And then you went on the road and beat Cleveland, who's going to be a playoff team in the East, and then you went and beat the Minnesota Timberwolves, who I know they'd lost three in a row coming into this game, but they are... They're good. You know, that's a, that's a team that can certainly beat some tough teams, and the Jazz are in a spot where they had to get that win, uh, and they found a way to do it. And I talked about before this... Uh, I talked about before this uh, road trip, the Jazz needed to go 2-2, two and two, I think, for it to be successful... 
And now you've done that in the first two games. Everything else you get is gravy. This is going to be a tough game on the second night of a back-to-back. But you also are playing Philadelphia, who played last night against the Charlotte Hornets. And then you're playing the Wizards, who are going to get a bunch of rest because they don't play until they played last night. They don't play again until uh, Saturday when the Jazz see them. But still, I think that's a team that's not playing great, and you can probably beat them. All right, we're going to get to uh, Pat Beverly's comments here uh, in one second. But can I bring this up with Beverly first? Uh, you know, I get, I like his act. I think it's, yep. uh, you know, I've enjoyed it over the years. I like that he's a, a player who plays hard and he's going to play tough and all that stuff. I, I think it's it's lacking from the NBA. Um, he did the too short thing to Royce O'Neal, which yep. was weird. But here's the thing. If you hit a floater that you basically have to shoot so high it hits yeah, it the rafters. To, right. And Rudy is playing help defense, and it randomly goes in. I don't know if you can yell at Rudy on the way up the court. And he actually got a technical foul, which was kind of weird. But, like, come on, dude. It's not like you dunked on Rudy. You shot a floater that nobody ever could have blocked because Rudy is so good. And then you yell at him going up the floor? I want to agree with you about Patrick Beverly because I like the idea of Patrick Beverly. I like the idea of guys who come out and bring that edge. And like you said, it's an act. Here's the problem. I don't think it's an act with Patrick Beverly. I actually just don't think he's a very smart person, unfortunately. And I think he reveals that in this sound in this, okay. talking about the Jazz I heard after the game. Yet, so. This is what he had to say after the game. You know, but, you know, if I'm defensive player of the year, I'm always guarding the best player no matter what. I'm not roaming. I'm not guarding, you know. And there's no discredit to Royce O'Neal or any of the others on their team. But, you know, if I'm defensive player of the year, I'm not, I'm not guarding Royce O'Neal. I'm guarding Mike Conley. I'm guarding Donovan Mitchell. I'm guarding McDonough. You know, you got Rudy Gobert out there guarding Vanderbilt. You're talking about he's a defensive player of the year, so uh, whatever. Like, if you're a defensive guy, and that's how you've made your money in the NBA, and you don't recognize why Rudy Gobert is so devastating defensively, like, maybe it's not an act. Maybe you don't understand why defenses work in the NBA. Like, I get what he's saying. It was the argument people were making for Ben Simmons. He can guard any player on the floor for a stretch at any given point. That doesn't mean you have a bigger impact defensively than what Rudy Gobert does. And this was actually the second thing Patrick Beverly had said on the night about Gobert, because during his halftime walk-off that he did with Bally Sports for the Minnesota TV play-by-play uh, for their broadcast, he came out. And he said he called Go- Rudy Gobert the quote-unquote defensive player of the year, as if doubting that Gobert would have, would have earned it or deserved it because he had 14 points in the first half. Okay. This is – I think this could be an interesting – let me – Ben, do you think he's dumb? Because that was a dumb take. Correct. It, it was. It was a dumb – and I kind of don't believe that – a guy who's been in the NBA playing defense this long could actually have that take. Sure. So is it is it lack of intelligence or do other do players love dragging Rudy? I and think, that's I think how it's players both. love drag. Players love to drag Rudy, the quote unquote defensive player of the yes. year. He's not out there guarding Damian Lillard or whatever. He's, well, I'm going to guard Mike Conley. Well, yeah, he said well, he's going to guard Don and was, Boyan and, and Mike Conley. Rudy seven three right. and a center. Right. And by the way, last time I checked, basketball, and and Ben, correct me if I'm wrong here, please, 
is a team game. Correct. And you draw up the best team concept to help you win the game. I think players, I think this is a player thing. They get wrapped up in the one-on-one thing, and yes. I get it because it's an oh. ego and, and you're playing, you know, the, the legend about Kyrie Irving challenging Kobe, Kyrie Kobe Irving Bryant. is exactly the right person. One-on-one, you know, I get it. But that's not the NBA. Because you talk about and you talk to NBA players, and you'll hear it. There's, I mean, there's famous quotes about it everywhere. People talking about the best player in the NBA right now, there are lots of NBA players who will say it's Kyrie Irving because he is so insanely good in isolation, one-on-one, you cannot guard him. Right. A lot of people will honestly say it's Kyrie Irving. I know that's crazy to say, but a lot of players think Kyrie Irving is the best player on earth because he is unstoppable with the ball in his hands. But it is not about the team. It is not about what he does, about you know getting everybody involved and moving the ball and scoring. It, it is kind of how he plays one-on-one. And so I do think you can flip that and say that's how they look at certain guys defensively. And to say, I don't roam. That's what he said. It kind of got a little muffled there. It wasn't a great audio quality from the Timberwolves. But he says, I'm not out there roaming. I'm guarding Mike Conley or Boyan Bogdanovich or Donovan Mitchell. And that's why I think I'm defensive player of the year. And Rudy Gobert can't be. First of all, actually, Rudy Gobert might be the Jazz' best perimeter defender. I'm not at all convinced that he's not. That could be the case. That could very easily be the case. He just so happens to be way better when he's at the rim. Now, he's also really elite away from the rim. You're not going to take him off the dribble and beat him. He will recover and block your shot, or you won't get a shot off. How many times have we seen Dame, C.J. McCollum? It happens I mean, you name every it. game. You name it. It you happens name every game. He did it to Anthony Edwards last night. Yep. Like, he does it every single game. So the idea that he hasn't proven that is stupid. And then also the roaming thing is stupid because who's the best roamer in basketball? It's probably Draymond Green, who might be the other guy who everyone says is the best defensive player in the NBA. And his whole thing is about saying, well, I can guard multiple people, but really what I'm doing is roaming behind the scenes and telling telling everybody where they need to be like I'm a middle linebacker. Like that's really what he does so well. So I, I thought it was a hilarious take from Patrick Beverly after a game when you scored 104 points, which is nothing in the NBA, and you lost by 32, and that's the moment you decide to call out an opposing team's defense. No, it's it's all about Rudy. It's all about, for some reason, in the NBA, Rudy is not popular. He's an outsider. Rudy's an outsider for a lot of reasons. Right. I don't know if it's because he grew up as a seven-foot-tall kid. I don't know if it's because he was gangly growing up. I don't know if it's because he was French. I don't know if it's because he's a single mom. Like There are a lot of reasons where Rudy may feel like he's different than the other people. Rudy doesn't fit the mold. He doesn't at all. In a variety of different ways. At all. Who was it? Was it Shaq? It it was Shaq. Last year he said, oh, all you have to do to get uh, paid uh, whatever million dollars is score 13 points a game. And it's like, what a non-nuanced take from you, Shaquille. And I don't believe that he's that dumb. Agreed. I believe that they don't like Rudy. There, that they there is love an angle. to drag Rudy, the quote-unquote defense player. What are you talking about? Yeah. What are you talking about? Right. And you know what? The best way to do it is to win. The best way to erase that if you're Rudy Gobert is to win. Now, the Jazz have been winning a lot, and it may take a title. Because people, I think, question Giannis Antetokounmpo the same way, who's also a bit of an outsider and a different type of person and doesn't approach basketball the same way that everybody else but does. But he looks the part. He does look Rudy the part. Rudy doesn't look the part. Correct. He even moves the part. Rudy doesn't yes. move the part, even though he... He plays the part. Right. Like everything Rudy does is exactly what you want a guy to do. If he moved more like Mitchell Robinson, like a more like DeAndre Jordan, right. which just looks more like a fluid American style of basketball that we've gotten used to over the last twenty years, I think you're right. People wouldn't be so hard on Rudy Gobert, or even if he was American born, I think people wouldn't be so hard on Rudy Gobert. But I do think he has this natural outsider 
quality that for some reason makes him an easy target for guys like Patrick Beverly, which is hilarious because Patrick Beverly was n- awful in the second half. Yeah. He had two points and was minus 14 in nine minutes after he called Gobert out at halftime. It's like, you can talk, but but back it up. And Patrick Beverly wasn't able to back it up last night. Part of Rudy's problem, too, well, I say problem. This isn't a problem, I suppose, but he's he's really not likable. Look about look at the throwing the water bottle and what happened sure. last night. Like he's, he doesn't have a he does have a charismatic personality, I guess, to a certain extent. But maybe maybe it's an acquired taste. Maybe that's what I'm looking at. But it's not like Magic Johnson was the ultimate charismatic athlete. Oh right? sure, they, sure. You never see an NBA player that Correct. dislikes the guy. Correct. That's not Rudy. Oh, he I, doesn't care. I thought Hassan Whiteside had really great. Opinions when he came in to the Jazz this year. And you remember what he said at media day? He's like, oh, I thought Joe Ingles was the meanest player in the NBA. He's like, I hated Joe Ingles. I, I thought Rudy Gobert was a jerk, and I thought Donovan Mitchell's act was fake. And he's come out and he said, I think all those things were wrong. Like, I was totally wrong about all these guys. He's like, Rudy Gobert is super approachable. He's really easy to talk to. They've become really good friends off the floor. They just hated each other for whatever reason. And I do think Gobert brings that to the court with him every night. And he doesn't do the brother-in-lawing that you see a lot in the NBA. Now, I think a lot of that comes from playing AAU together. I think a lot yeah. of that comes from growing up on the same teams, right. competing against. And Rudy only ever wanted to prove himself against these guys, either in international competitions or once he got to the NBA. And his whole thing is being slighted his whole life. And so some of it, I would say, is probably on Gobert. That he has felt slighted, he continues to feel slighted, yeah. and he carries that into every game he plays. It's what makes him great, but it also keeps him from being a part of the, uh, of the cult of the NBA. And this, I think this actually works in Rudy's favor, but it's almost like playing for the Jazz and playing in Utah compounds that. A hundred percent. Because if he were playing for a, a quote-unquote yeah, popular yep. franchise, yep. It was, he'd be seen completely differently. But people love to hate the Jazz, too. Yes. And the, you know what? The great thing about the Stockton-Malone era was it didn't matter. Right. Because they were that good. That it didn't matter. You could, and you you could hate two, on Carl Malone. You could call them boring. You could say, you go play in Utah, all this stuff, and it did not matter. And you had two particular weird people who did not care. Right. John didn't care because he came from a small school and never expected to be in the NBA. And Carl came from one of the weirder backgrounds you'll ever understand. And it was better for him. Oh, it was, was way not better. In the but spotlight. it's not better for everyone because right. Gordon Hayward wanted nothing more than to be accepted in this group. And it broke him. Like, he had to leave Utah because he wanted to be Paul George, because he wanted to be cool. And he's not cool, nope. but he so badly wanted to be cool that he felt like he had to leave Salt Lake City, and it ruined his career. At least it altered it dramatically. So it, it, it's, it's a battle. It's a battle that Donovan Mitchell, I think, probably has to fight every day that he's in Utah. I think you get guys like Rudy Gay or Mike Conley who are towards the end of their career, have hundreds of millions of dollars, and are so much more comfortable with who they are, and they're married, and they have these families. I think it's a hard thing for young people to navigate. And I think Rudy Gobert's done a really great job at it. I think Donovan Mitchell's doing a really good job at it. But it makes you a target. Uh, David James reminded us, uh, or reminded me via text message, Rudy once switched on to Doncic with the game on the line. Right. And oh. people, it, it, for some reason, people just ignore the, that stuff. Correct. Because it, it's easy to say. It's an easy false narrative. But Anthony Edwards, I'm going to send Jake some more uh, audio. We'll play Anthony Edwards coming up in the next segment because he had an equally bad take about Rudy Gobert. Like, clearly this team got pissed 
that Rudy dominated last night. And they're probably standing up for Carl Anthony Towns, who has also lost, didn't he lose like $40 million one time because Rudy Gobert got all NBA over him? Yeah. Like, yeah. Th- I think probably. That was two years ago. I think Cat probably doesn't like Rudy. No. You know, I think there are a lot of big guys who don't like Rudy. We talked about it the other night. What game were we watching? I said it because I was watching. Oh, it was Miles Turner because Indiana came in and beat Utah the night after they lost in Denver. And I told you I was watching the Denver-Indiana game the night before. And the play-by-play announcers for Indiana, while he was playing against, I think Jokic might have been hurt, might have not have been playing, were talking about comparing Miles Turner to Gobert in a game that Gobert wasn't playing in. Like, he is this, this measuring stick that people want to live up to or are mad that he's held in such high regard, which if you watch him, there's no question why he's there. But if you don't watch him, I understand why it might be difficult. And so people always want to take him down a notch. And good for Rudy. He just, it doesn't work. He just really dominates every time he's on the floor. He was great again last night. I time. love it that you have to have some nuance to appreciate, appreciate Rudy. And a lot right. of people out there just don't. No, and I understand. Just don't. You're going to watch the Jazz twice a year. I don't blame someone for not watching the Jazz 30 times a year. We get to watch them 80 times a year. And we get to enjoy uh, you know, all the, the nuances of their game and the little things that they get to do. If you don't watch the Jazz, I don't blame you if you're a national person. But you should understand a little bit of why Gobert is held in such high regard. Sven, our good buddy, uh, puts it great uh, on Twitter. He says, Beverly might guard the other team's best player. Rudy defends the other team. That's right. what makes him special. Yeah, well put, Sven. Yep. Well put. But people want to knock him down. I think you're right. I think it's probably more personal than it is a lack of understanding of how good he is. But people don't like Rudy. Which is and too bad. And players, the players in the league don't like Rudy. I really think he might be the most under misunderstood misunderstood star in the league, yes. even off the floor. Like yes. he's a very enjoyable person to be around. He's very funny. He's he very is funny. normal. Yep. He's a very regular guy. He has an axe to grind, of course, like anyone. But he's quick. He's got good jokes. Like he's he's a very enjoyable person to be around. He's got his weirdnesses because everyone has their weirdnesses in the NBA. These guys have a trillion dollars that they were given when they were 20 years old. Like, it's going to make you change as a person. It's going to make you weird. It's going to make you weird. But he's also get funny with within it. the... Because you can. I can't imagine how weird I'd be if I well, get If someone away had said, it, hey, then. you know what? We're going to arrest a lot of your development as a human because you have all the cash you're ever going to need, generational wealth, and then we're going to actually develop some of the weird things that naturally get worked out of your life because you have to go to work every day and work with other people. Oh, man, I'd beat Howard Hughes overnight. <laughs> Correct. I would be. Yeah. You'd have the tissue boxes on the yeah, feet. Right. You'd have hey, the hey. Jar that urine, please. We don't get rid of any of that. And like the weirdness of Rudy Gobert is that like, you know, I don't even know how to describe it. He's just like, he's just a funny guy. He just has a bunch of confidence that, that is, you can tell is kind of found a little bit later in his life. And it's made him a charming person, but probably hard to understand if you don't know. I, hey, I, I've been talking about this for years. It, Utah, in gen- the jazz, uh, even our state, easy to drag. Yep. And Rudy fits right into that because sure. he doesn't fit the mold and people don't appreciate it. And so they don't like him. Correct. And I don't think for one second Patrick Beverly believes that. I think he's just trying to insult Rudy. I really do. I'll find this Anthony Edwards sound too during All the break. Right, we'll, we'll play we'll it on the other side it. and I'll have another take on Minnesota to follow Stay up. Stay tuned. More Jacob Ed next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's official. The youths are the 2021 Pac-12 champs and are heading to the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. What better way for the youths to make their inaugural trip to the Rose Bowl than a battle against Ohio State? Keep it locked on the Zone Sports Network as we get you ready for the youths' historic trip to Pasadena. Your home for the best coverage of the youths in the Rose Bowl is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. 
Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake, Scott, Ben, Anderson want to remind you about Miki Couture. They want to help you this holiday season. That didn't sound right. With the perfect gift, stop by uh, locations from Ogden to St. George today. Mention Zone 50 and save 50%. It's a no-brainer. Get in today. Save 50%. Get the best gift ever from Miki Couture. And I got to tell you, Ben. I'm not a great gift giver. I, I I don't know. My mind is just not that creative in that way. And uh, the thing with Miki, it is can't miss. There's nobody that opens up a Miki and says, oh, I was hoping for something else. My issue that I'm running up into is is I've gone to that well so many times now. <laughs> Everyone has one. You, I, had, you had enough blankets in the house? I've gone, I've gone to that well a lot. Actually, I've gotten to this point as I've realized, Jake, how old are your kids? Yuck. Five and three. Five and three. So I've got nine and six. You've got five and... I've got four and a half and... Uh, and almost one. And a half. And a half. You're going to get to a point where at like close to my age, you don't even have to get to the nine and the six-year-old. You kind of just can't have enough blankets in the house at some point. Uh. You just kind of need more blankets. I don't know why, but there's just... You need to have one in every room. Someone's always cold. It's a true story. Real talk, though. I've already taken advantage of this offer. Yeah, so, yeah. It was 50% off. M- yeah. Ms. Off. Mrs. Hatch but, sent me to the store the first time she heard it. So I do. I have one in every room. Yeah. I have one in every single room in my house. Because blankets are awesome. And they're easy to wash. And you know what? Kids get sick or whatever. I got to tell you. Throw them in there. Throw them in the wash. They're super easy. Again, I'm a customer of Miki, so, you know. (laughs) But that washable part is the most underrated part of the the blanket. Unbeatable. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Can you imagine taking a blanket to a dry cleaner or something every time your kids spill (laughs) apple juice? I can imagine taking it it to the garbage. Because that's what I would do. Dry cleaner? I'll get another one. But no, you can throw them right in the wash. Super easy. It is. And they don't lose their uh, fluffiness? Softness. Is that a word? Softness? Fluffiness is a word. All right, Ben, you teased it before the break. You've got a uh, hot Timberwolves take for us, and we're going to hear uh, Anthony Edwards as well. And it, it, it plays on the back of Patrick Beverly saying he doesn't think Rudy Gobert is the best defensive player of the year. In fact, he says, if I'm the best defensive player of the year, it's because I'm guarding Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert or Mike Conley in the same night, which is like, or I should say Donovan Mitchell, Boyan Bogdanovich, or, uh, or Mike Conley in the same night, which is like, yeah. Rudy absolutely does every single one of those things also. He switches on to somebody, he drops back, he defends you at the rim, he defends you on the perimeter, he, he's on you on the, be, on the last play of the game. Like He's always in the right guy. By the way, the one part, underrated part, before we get to Anthony Edwards, is that Patrick Beverly throws his own teammate, Jared Vanderbilt, under the bus. He does! <laughs> he says, he's That's over right. there on Vanderbilt! <laughs> he doesn't even call him by his first name. He's over there on Vanderbilt. This dude's a scrub yeah. over here that he's covering. Until you just pointed that out, I did not notice that. You're right. He's like, I'm not guarding Royce you O'Neal. Are right. He's guarding Vanderbilt. <laughs> he's guarding the worst Why guy am I on the team. Strays. What did I do? <laughs> You're totally right. He does. He throws Thanks. Vanderbilt. Pat. Thanks, Beverly. <laughs> Thank you. He called him by his last Thanks, name, Beth. like he'd never met him before. He's over there guarding Vanderbilt. Anyways, here's Anthony Edwards' take. Oh, that is the best part of it. You're here's right. Here's Anthony Edwards' take on going up against Rudy Gobert and who he actually thinks is the best rim protector in the NBA. Uh, I think he was in, in people's heads. Like, just, he wasn't even blocking shots for real, I don't think. I think he was just, people was just going to the rim. It was just like, oh, they got Rudy Gobert. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling him, like, bro, he's the same as anybody else, bro. Like, to me, the best rim protector in the league is Porzingis. Like, anytime I go against Porzingis, I don't get no layups. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I don't get why we couldn't finish on Rudy Gobert, but don't put no fear in my heart. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. 
Did he call him Gobert? He called him Gobert, which is the one thing that I also think is people know is not his name. This is that's intentional, Ben. Correct. And that's there's intentional. Not one Dern person on the planet that thinks that Chris Tapps Porzingis is the best. <laughs> no, there's not a person. On the planet but that actually my, thinks that. Here's the problem, and here's one of the issues I might have. He might think that because he had one bad game against Chris Dapps Porzingis, and so that's how he's going to view it for the rest of his life, which makes me think that he, Anthony Edwards might not watch film ever. Like He might be that guy who doesn't consume any tape, who doesn't look at it, who doesn't read the scouting report. He's like, well, one game I didn't finish well against Chris Dapps Porzingis. You know what? Chris Dapps Porzingis is the best defensive player in the NBA right now. But the big picture take after Patrick Beverly's opinion about Rudy Gobert and Anthony Edwards is we have a dumb team on our hands, and dumb teams don't win. You can be young and smart. You can be under-talented and smart. You can be old, under-talented, and veteran and have the understanding and still make the playoffs. I think I'm learning a lot that Minnesota's not going to make the playoffs. No. No, I don't think so either. I I thought for a minute there they might have put it together. Locke said they'd put it together. Well, Locke already crowned them champion. I didn't believe it. And then they won, you know, seven out of eight. And I was like, okay, maybe he's on to something. He obviously watches the game a lot. He's there at every game. Now, last two, well, I mean, what they did getting blown out by 30 points in the second half. And then those opinions after the game, I thought, nah, no. can't help him. Gobert? Can't help him. Gobert, Ben. Porzingis. Gobert. Vanderbilt's catching strays inside the locker room. Can't help you. Do you remember when, uh, when uh, Tracy McGrady called Darren Williams Duran? On purpose, like multiple times yes. in a post game. Yes, that uh, Deron Williams. That stuff is uh, uh, that is really something. Oh, I think the best rim defender in the league is Chris Stapps Porzingis. You know, it'd be like uh, I'm trying to think of an app. Well, be like saying Patrick. Here. It's like saying Derrick Rose is the best offensive player in the NBA because he put up 50 on the Jazz. Nobody thinks that, but if that's the only thing you've seen, you're going to be in a bad shape of saying like, yeah, that's the guy. That's the that's the best offensive player I've ever seen because I've never watched anybody else or because I'm not watching anybody else. That's something. That That's like an insult by comparison. Oh, 100%. And here's what the other weird part of this, and I don't have the sound. I could pull it up, but it's not that big of a deal. After the game, Anthony Edwards gave a really good breakdown on why Carl Anthony Towns was bad last night. He said, buddy, he said this about, he's in his second year in the NBA. He's saying this about Carl Anthony Towns, who's been in MVP races before. He said, Cat's just waiting for the double team to come every single time. He says what makes Joel Embiid so good is he catches the ball and he goes before there's a double team. You can't guard him with just one person. You need two people on him. And the Jazz did that last night. Quinn Snyder did the thing he likes to do, which is kind of put a smaller defender on him and then bring your bigger guy as a help side defender, which is interesting. It doesn't always work. Nikola Jokic put up 47 on him last season because he tried to do the same thing. But it worked last night against Carl Anthony Towns, which makes me think that Cat's not thinking the game as well. And if Anthony Edwards knew, and Anthony Edwards has that lack of a nuance in a take about Gobert saying Porzingis might be the better player, to then have to teach Carl Anthony Towns how to play the game, especially on the offensive side of the ball, there was just so many red flags that came out of that game from the locker room for the Minnesota Timberwolves for me that I don't have faith that they can do it. No, and they don't have the players. They don't have the players. And they don't have the players. It's funny, they had Ricky Rubio last year who seems like the type of guy you need to have in a locker room to kind of hurdle, uh, 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 gather the cats. What, what am I looking for? 
Wrangle the cats. Like you, you got the cats? herd the cats, not hurdle them. Don't jump over a cat. It's not that hard. Yeah, you need to get them all together because you just got too many talented pieces going in a million different directions. You need someone to unite it, and they don't have that guy. Well, uh, Ricard Rubio is doing a nice job of just that right. in Cleveland. Exactly. Yes, he is. And I thought he would have done a good job last year in Minnesota, and apparently he was unable to do it, which might be an even bigger red flag if he was that good and couldn't and fix I, it. You know what? I still love Anthony Edwards' game. He's going to be a special player. He is really good. But I mean, what? Why did everybody hate Rudy? Yeah. Take it easy on Rudy. <laughs> Chris Stapps, Porzingis. That just makes me think less of you. Correct. It's such a bad take. It doesn't hurt Rudy Gobert. It just hurts you. And listen, if you're having trouble scoring on Chris Stapps, Porzingis. Again, another you problem. That, that You got some issues. You got some issues. Because I think you just, you, you know, blow in his general direction and he's going to get out of the way. Correct. Yeah, he's playing soft now. He was a good rim protector. Actually, his first year in the league, he was really good. Like his numbers, some of his numbers were better than Rudy, and he's since done nothing to improve. Well, that's because he learned the lesson that uh, Jabari Parker learned when he got into the NBA. They don't pay me to play defense, Ben. Right. It's a bad take. But see, that that's another that's another reason that everybody hates Rudy because that's the general rule of thumb, right? And here comes Rudy who plays defense and gets paid. And in a weird way, right. people are saying, well, that makes me look bad because I didn't want to play defense. And I have the excuse of, you don't pay me to play defense. Well, now, here's somebody who got rewarded for playing defense. I do feel better about my take yesterday that they need to break it down and rebuild around Anthony Edwards with these pieces they have. Yes. You need to go out and find the right pieces to put around him to put him to move him in the right direction. Unfortunately, I don't think Patrick Beverly or Carl Anthony Towns are the guy. I don't either. That's where, we, yeah, you're right. We were talking about that yesterday. There's, there's one untouchable guy on that roster. Yep. And honestly, outside of Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, you might pluck whatever their G League franchise is and, and put it onto the roster, and you'd have similar yep. results. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you and you might need to tank one more year. You know what I mean? Like you've been tanking to find the guy around Carl Anthony Towns. Here's the thing: you f- you found Anthony Edwards. Now you need to tank to find the guy to put around him, and you trade Carl Anthony Towns for. Uh, Jalen Brown is kind of the name I threw out there. You know, you find the other guy that you have to to try and uh, to build this team up. Chris Stapps, Porzingis. I'm. Not, you know what? I can't get over that, Ben. It's a great take. I can't. <laughs> I can't get over that. That's that's terrible. But that's going to be a lifer. And look, the Jazz uh, play this Minnesota Timberwolves team two weeks from today, the 23rd. What's a worse take, honestly? And I know we're up against it a little bit. What, what's a worse take? Rudy isn't the defensive player of the year because he's not guarding the point guard. Or... Rudy's not the best rim protector in the league. It's actually Chris Stapps, Porzingis. It's gotta be what's, the Porzingis. What's the worst? Porzingis is the worst. Because I think you're right. I think Patrick Beverly knows what he's saying, and he's trying to take a shot at somebody, even though he's even wrong about that. I think, I think Anthony Edwards believes it's Porzingis, and that's what's scary. That's frightening. That's frightening. That's frightening. Can we hear the Vanderbilt sound on the way out? Jake, you tease whatever you want. I just want to hear the Vanderbilt sound one more time the, that, on the way out. One more time. Patrick All Beverly right. taking a shot at him. All right. You know, you got Rudy Gobert out there guarding Vanderbilt. Anytime I use a defensive player of the year, so uh, whatever. <laughs> That's your teammate. You just threw your teammate to the Garden walls. Vanderbilt. Garden Vanderbilt. You know what? And I, I guess he's at a you know in today's day and age, they're they're in the media room at the podium or whatever. But I'm picturing old school where Vanderbilt's lockers, like two lockers he's down, like standing right there. He still heard it. They're Garden Van. He's Garden Vanderbilt. You know, you got Rudy Gobert out there guarding Vanderbilt. That's stiff. He even paused before he said it, like to put added disrespect on his name. And he didn't even go with Nazarene. He went with Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. <laughs> so funny. What did You're I right. do? You're right. That is so funny. Wow. All right. Stay tuned. More Jacob Ben next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You know, you got Rudy Gobert out there guarding Vanderbilt.
anytime I use a defensive player of the year, so uh, whatever. Jacob in 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's a big thing going on this weekend in high school basketball, Ben. Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. Best of State winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer for uh, running for uh, the entire month of December. They're actually carrying it on. Uh, Smart Rain is giving free controllers and free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with paid cellular hosting subscription. Visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Joining the show now. He is the head basketball coach at Lehigh. Of course, high school basketball coaching legend in the state. Also a longtime BYU assistant coach as well. Quincy Lewis with us here on Jake and Ben. Coach, thanks for a few minutes. How are you doing? Hey, good. Thanks for having me. Hey, let's let's get the word out. We've got a big tournament this weekend. We do. We do. Uh, what's called Holiday Hoop Fest. And uh, got some great teams from out of state coming along with uh, some of the best from in-state. Uh, we see this in you know college. We certainly see it. You know, depending on the you know geography of where you are, seems like basketball tends to you know look different in different states. Certainly at the college level, different conferences. Do you see that as much in high school? I mean, does it change a lot? You've got a couple of schools from Florida, right, coming up to to play here in Salt Lake City in in, in Utah. Does the type of basketball change? Yeah, it does. You know, you're going to get uh, you know some high level guys, you know, and some athleticism and. Um, you know, quickness that maybe you haven't seen before, and uh, I don't know. It, it's it's really exciting. Uh, one of the teams, uh, Duncanville out of Texas, they started the year ranked number five in the country uh, by Max Preps, and I checked this morning, and they're actually number one now. <laughs> so we, we literally have the number one ranked team in the country that will be in our gym uh, this weekend. How does uh, high school basketball around here stack up uh, across the country against some of these big-time teams, do you think? You know what? I think we've made a lot of progress in the last, you know, 15 years or so, and uh, it's amazing how all these tournaments have just really popped up, and the the money that there is in in high school basketball now is is just crazy. And I I kind of learned that when I was at Lone Peak, and uh, we're just on the cusp of getting into all those kinds of things, but it's just become even bigger and bigger as you see, you know, games, you know, on ESPN or you know whatever, and um, and so. This will be a really good challenge for our teams in state. We have uh, Corner Canyon, uh, American Fork, Westlake, uh, uh, Farmington with the Colin Chandler kid and ourselves. And uh, all of us are going to be greatly challenged. It's, it's, I mean, we've got some good teams coming in. What do you find that some of these teams that do travel, you talk about Duncanville being the number one team uh, coming in. What, what, what do they do so well at the high school level that allows them to succeed? Because like you've talked about, and we've seen the Lone Peak teams that, that you were a part of and have known so well that have succeeded at the highest level of high school basketball. Well, what, what they have is, you know, obviously they have, I mean, Duncanville's out of the Dallas area, area just a little bit outside, but uh, they have a great draw and they become a magnet school a little bit too, where they're, they're, I mean, they're getting some of the best players from, you know, 60 miles around out of Dallas. And so, and they've run a good program, and they have a coach who's done a good job there. And, you know, there's a parent or a kid or, you know, um, you know, people who influence that kid that say, hey, that's a, that's a great place to be at because of the job that's being done there and even the exposure that they're going to get. So, for instance, Duncanville plays tonight on ESPN against Montverde Academy, which is traditionally a great school. You know, and then they're going to turn around and play uh, in Fork on Saturday, you know, in our gym. And so, you know, when you're playing those types of schedules and you're uh, you're going out of state, then that's going to draw the best kids. 
All right, uh, Coach, I, I have a criticism for you, uh, but let me let me let Thanks me for coming on, but... <laughs> I mean, I appreciate it, yeah. I, I'm going to set it up this way. Listen, I, I have a philosophy in my life that I set a low bar. You know, you just set the bar low, and when you eventually exceed it, you can you can take credit. You know, and you can say, "Hey, yeah, we're 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 building something." You know, coming in and winning a state title in your first year—that's not setting a low bar, coach. I think you you've set a high bar, and I worry that if you don't win the title every year, you're you know you you got nowhere to go. I, I appreciate you guys just bringing that up in, in that manner. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, congratulations! It's awesome, and and what the the first oh. state title at, at Lehigh since the mid nineties, right? I mean, that's that's amazing. Yeah. Congrats! No, hey, you know what? The, the truth of the matter is, I walked into some good kids, and uh, you know, I just had to help help them get to another level, you know, and they did, and, and that was great. And now we now we got a bunch of young pups, you know, and uh, we're kind of throwing them in the fire. We played some really good teams, and Davis and Westlake, and some people already, and. Um, and this, and this term will be uh, will be the same, you know. But you know, really, my philosophy with it is, hey, uh, let's not be afraid of who we are, you know. And uh, let's let's go play people, and uh, you're going to find out exactly what you are as a as a player and as a team, and what you need to do to be better when you play against these kind of guys. All right, give us the the details, coach. If folks want to get out and watch some great basketball, what do we got to do? Yeah, so uh, Friday it starts at 4.30, you go all the way to 10. There's four games on Friday, and all the games are an out-of-state uh, team against an in-state team. So it's kind of fun that way. Uh, Saturday it goes 1.30, uh, basically it'll end at 10 o'clock. we got five games on Saturday. Uh, if you Google uh, Holiday Hoop Fest, uh, it'll have all the in- ticket information you can get. Uh, it'll, it'll be right there. It's 20 bucks to get in for the whole day, which is a you know just a great deal because of the kind of guys that we're bringing in and and really, you know, you get to see some of the very best teams in Utah, you know, and I think that will be cool, too. Well, it's a cool event, Coach, and uh, we were excited to have you on today. Thanks for jumping on with us, and good luck. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you. That's uh, Coach Quincy Lewis, uh, head coach at Lehigh. Hoopfestbasketball.com. Yeah, step right in, win the title in your first year. Where are you going to go? No, it's cool. We've had some uh, some big-time teams come through the state because we've got good high school basketball as well, but right. teams are coming and playing in Salt Lake City. I actually think having Pac-12 ties, now Big 12 ties, I mean, this is a Texas team and Florida teams that are coming in. Like, yep, that's where the Big 12 footprint is going to be now going forward when BYU jumps in. Uh, so I think that's going to help as well. But we had, you know, Bronny James's uh, team come through. He didn't play in that game, but but they came through not too long ago. So we're getting some fun high school basketball. It's a good thing to go check out. And look, these kids are two years away from being in the NBA. Like, that's what's so funny. They're going to go play either in the G League next year or in college for three months, and then they're going to take off in the league. So it's a good chance to see some of these top players. Is it, what do you, what do you think about sports parent LeBron? Is it is it charming that he's a lunatic sports parent like the rest of us, or is it like, hey, LeBron, you should you know keep it quiet in the corner or whatever? It's not about you, you know what I mean? LeBron is corny, but he's like sincerely corny. He's just a corny dude in every single way, and I think he's a corny dad. He's corny on Instagram. He's corny on Twitter. He's his celebrations on the floor of his own team are corny. Cleveland, this is for you, yeah. was super corny. It like was He corny. is just the corniest dude, which is what's allowed him to be so successful with basically zero controversy off the floor. So I think at least it's consistent. I do think it's real because I think his whole thing is oh, weird. I, you know what? I totally give him dad points. He obviously cares. Yeah. He yeah. He's, he's obviously into it. Yeah. But I I don't want to be that sports parent, no. Ben. And you don't have to be. Dwayne's not that way. <laughs> yeah. With Zaire. 
You know, and Dwayne goes and watches him at the stars and talks to him after the games and, you know, helps him out and does whatever he has to. But he's not, you know, jumping he's up and down like on the floor. He's not like running over the coach to get <laughs> out there and celebrate or with pretending the to be the coach. Yeah. LeBron's corny, but at least it's consistent. And I can live with that. That's what I can deal with. All right. Stay tuned. We'll have more Jake and Ben. Thanks to Coach Lewis for jumping on with us. We appreciate it. More straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.